Man, you guys, this morning. Normally it's the first service that gets with it singing, but you guys totally blew that first service out of the water. That's awesome. Man, we, I could literally just sing all morning and not preach. And some of you are like, okay, go. No, no, we're going to get to the message. I know what some of you are thinking. All right, let's do it. You guys, that, awesome, great singing. Can you, that's one of the things I'm looking forward to in heaven. And as we sang that song a minute ago, a thousand millions, millions upon millions of people before God singing, worthy is the lamb that was slain. Man, that's going to be so awesome. But I'm glad I don't have to wait to heaven I can do it today. And, uh, whew, I don't know. I'm a little excited now. I'm a little more excited than what I was last service. And last service I got with it a little bit, and I might do it again this service. That's okay. First Peter chapter 5. Let's get there. Uh, you're like, what? oh, we're doing great on time too. That extra song didn't even add much there. I, was at a, I went to a little conference a couple d- days ago, and the pastor, he got up to preach. When he got up to preach, he had a screen in the back. From where I sang, I could see a screen, and it said, I think I had 30 minutes, a green timer counting down. Like, wow. First off, I wouldn't want it to be, because like if I had a timer back there right now, you would all be checking it out every few minutes to see, is that 30 minutes up? Has the timer ran out? Because that's, just so you know, every time you do this, I add two minutes. <laughs> and some of you, we'd be here all day if I didn't have a little grace, because literally, you know, you know, I see it, I see it. It's amazing what you can see up here. I get to see all that. And then, or you got Carol just starts beeping at me like it's time to end. It's one of those two things that happens. But um, I would loved it, though, because the timer got, I wondered, at zero, I'm like, what's it going to do when it gets to zero? And he went 10 more minutes, so it was negative 10 in the red. I like seeing that. I'm like, good. He preached about the same amount of time I do, but I'm not going to throw a little timer up there for you guys to see because that just incriminating myself. There used to be a, people have asked, Pastor, there used to be a clock in the room. Yeah, but people were hurting their necks so much. I thought I'd help you out by not having it there. And I know what time it is, and I know when we need to get going. We'll be okay. And so you say, well, we sing an extra song. Does that mean the message is a little bit shorter? No, no. When the Spirit leads, He leads. And if the Spirit wants this message done sooner, Jesus can come now and take us home. And so if He comes, then that means He didn't want me to preach the message to you today. So... If you look at, we're going to be in our text here in just a moment. Last week we started concluding the book of 1 Peter. And really, next week we're probably going to dive into 2 Peter chapter number 1. Because you'll notice, if you look at the last three verses, verse 12 through 14, it's just the closing, like he's closing the letter. Sincerely, love you in Christ, whatever the case may be. But I want you to see why was the book of Peter written, 1 Peter. Look right there, verse by verse 12. By Silvanus, a faithful brother unto you, as I suppose, I have written briefly. Uh, now, this is five chapters. This is not a brief letter. This is a long letter. But maybe in Peter's eyes it's short. So it says, I've written to you briefly. What's he doing? Exhorting, encouraging, and testifying that this is the true grace of God where ye stand. Peter's goal was to let people know what God's, God's grace doesn't mean that life is always easy means as you go through tough times, God's grace is there to see you through. And last week we saw how to respond to what we've learned. And this is the thing. We could go all day long, and I am glad for people that know things, aren't you? The other day I needed help with something, and I'm glad I knew someone that knew more about it than me so I could get help with it. And, uh, but if you know something, 
and it does you no good, what's the point in knowing? And sometimes people know a lot about the Bible, but if you don't take the Bible and apply it to your life, there is no point in knowing a lot of it if it's not going to let it change your life. God's Word will change your life if you let it. And so we've learned a lot of things. We talked about that last week. Now, how do we apply, how do we respond to what we've learned? And we've looked at the fact of we need, we're going to go through hard times. We can rejoice in those hard times. And we need to be good citizens. We need to be good with our families, good to all people. We need to love the Lord and continue on. But how do we do those things? Last week, I'm going to review because I know most of us in the room Friday, so you don't know what I preached last Sunday. So that's okay. And I, that's all right. Anybody, how many of you know what you had for breakfast on Friday? A few hands are up. That's good. So, but you're probably the ones that have the same thing every day or nothing. That's normally how it goes right there. And so I know normally what I have for breakfast is nothing. Unless I go out with somebody, then I will have egg whites and chicken or something like that. But, um, hey, it's okay. It tastes good. That's good stuff. You pour enough, you pour. And it's not as good as the country fried steak. Yeah, that's true with the gravy on top. That's, that's the good stuff right there. Mm. That's, that's, that's good stuff. Anyways, let's not get off on food this morning. We looked at, if we're going to live the Christian life and respond to this, what do we need to do? Number one, we have to humble ourselves before God, and we're reviewing. This isn't your notes today. We need, verse number six tells us, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. First Peter 5, verse number six, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. And we need to humble ourselves before God. That's where it begins. And may I just remind you, as you walk with the Lord, and as you get closer to him. Now the thing is, you're saved. You're in the proximity of the Lord all the time being saved. He is there. His presence is there. Like we're all in the room together today, right? But there are a few in here I have not come and greeted you. So there are a few people in the room that I greeted today that are, have been closer to me today than what you have wherever you're sitting. And you can draw nigh to God. He will draw nigh to you. And when we think on those thoughts, one of the things that comes to my mind is Isaiah. When he saw the Lord for who he was, he didn't go around and say, I deserve to be here. He said, woe is me. I'm unclean. I'm undone. I shouldn't be here. Because when you're with God, you see who he truly is, and then you see who you truly are. And when you do that, you are going to be humble. Pride comes when we get our eyes off of who he is and we think we're something special. But when you look at who he is and then you look in the mirror, you're like, nothing special right here. And it helps with humility. We have to humble ourselves like Jesus humbled himself. He became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And as we humble ourselves, that's going to help us. As we, and this, you got to remember, the book of First Peter here, this is about you're going to go through trials. You're going to have hard times in life. So how do we respond? Well, first off, we have to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. And then number two, we got to trust God in his timing. That he may exalt you, lift you up time. And when we look at that, in due time is not when I think is best. And I know for myself there are many times I really think God needs to come through right now for me. But I don't know what's right. And what that's saying, when I tell God, you need to do this now, not in your time, I'm saying, God, I know more than you. And you see how that's pride. Because when you humble yourself, you're going to trust him in his timing. And I mentioned it last service. Do you realize 
None, we, and let me help you with something. If you always strive to be, how many of you, no, I'm not going to have you raise your hand because think in your mind, do you strive to be on time? Now, this is the thing. There is no such thing for us as being on time. So this service is supposed to start at 10 o'clock, right? That would be 10, 0, 0, and 0, 0 seconds. That's on time. It started at 10.06 today. Say, why 10.06? Well, that pastor last service, I don't know what his problem is. Maybe you guys can talk to him. He went a little long. So we got out at 9.40, so there had to be enough time for everyone to leave, so it normally starts at 10.05. So talk to that pastor in the first service. He needs to change things up and be shorter and put a timer up there for him and do better. But we don't do anything on time. And that's where sometimes I think some of us get in trouble. And you might plan, I'm going to show up on time. That's not possible. You're either going to be late or you're going to be early. And you say, well, pastor, I'm always five minutes late. Then start ten minutes before that and be five minutes early. I would much rather be early than late. Now, I know there are a lot of folks in here, and this is the thing. Now, if you drive far away to church, I'm just glad you're here. You know, if you live on, oh, Ryan's in, Ryan was in last, he lives on the property. If he's not here on time, then no one has any hope of being here on time. So when you drive far and I get those things, but in all reality for us, we're either early or we're late. In all actuality, the only one who is ever always on time, it's the Lord. He never delivers late. He never delivers early. He's always right on time. And as we're going through the trials and the things of this life, we need to humble ourselves before him. And as we humble ourselves, we need to trust God and his timing. And as we do that, we need to cast our burdens. We need to take our anxieties, our worries, our trials, our pressures, and we need to cast them to the Lord. I mentioned last week, I'm getting pretty good at casting them. In fact, I would say almost every time now, when something comes up, the first thing I do is cast them to him. I'm getting very good at that. My problem is I go out in the water and pick it back up and take it with me. That's my problem. How many of you know what I'm talking about this morning? So if you figure out before I do, so I've, I got the first part. I'm getting better there. I'm growing to where I at least go to God first. I cast it, but then I go get it again. So if you figure out how not to go back and get it before I do, you help me or I'll help you. We'll help each other out. Because some of you know what I'm talking about. And we worry about things that we can't change at all, but somehow it just makes us feel better because we can worry about it. But we trust, we say we trust the Lord. But we don't. You say, no, I'll carry, Lord, I'll carry my burdens. That's pride. You don't need the Lord's help. We do need his help. So as we humble ourselves, he'll exalt us in due time. We cast all of our cares, all of our anxieties, all our pressures on him. Why? Because he cares about you. I love that old hymn that's in our songbook there. No one ever cared for me like Jesus. There's no other friend so kind as he. No one else could take the sin and darkness from me. Oh, how much he cares for me. No one's ever loved you like Jesus does. And that's why he wants you. Say, God's too busy with everyone else. He doesn't. No, he's not too busy for you. You mean the world to him? He was willing to give his son for you. That's big stuff. It doesn't get any bigger. I love you all in this room. If 
but I'm probably not going to give my son for you. Now, I would probably give myself for my son, but I'm not going to let my son do anything for you. And I love you. I love everyone in this room, and I would do most things for you. That just shows how much he loves us. That's why we can sing about being loved by the king. But as we look at this, we're supposed to humble ourselves, trust God in his timing, cast our cares on him because he cares about us. Why do we need to do it that way? Because there's a devil. He hates the things of God, which means he hates the children of God. He is your adversary today. He's trying to stand between you and eternity and mess you up on the way. Those that aren't saved, he's already got them. He doesn't have to go to work on them. And the Christians that are on the sidelines doing nothing, he doesn't have to do anything with them. Those that are trying to live for God, trying to do what they can, he doesn't like that. The devil wants us to make our father look bad. He wants us to disappoint him in the things that we do. And I've, I've been a Christian a long time. I know this morning, and I know what the Bible says, and I'm a firm believer that the devil cannot enter into a believer. Because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. But it just seems like the devil knows when we're struggling, doesn't it? And I think about Jesus. He couldn't enter Jesus, right? But he had a... He had been fasting for, and praying for 40 days, right? And he tried to tempt him. And as we look at this this morning, we need to humble ourselves before God, trust God in his timing, give God our burdens, because when we don't, the Bible says in verse 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions that are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world, but the God of all grace, whom hath called us into his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Father, I pray you bless the next few minutes that we have this morning. We need your help. I thank you for your word and the privilege it is to be able to preach your word. Bless our time this morning and help us see from this passage things that will help us in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. In one of my Bible reading groups that I'm doing with our church, we just started the book of Job because we're doing chronologically through the Bible. Finish Genesis, we're in the book of Job. And Job comes before... The Lord one day, not sorry, Satan comes before the Lord one day. And God asks him, where are you kidding? Some, I've been walking to and fro in the earth. God says, hey, hey Satan, have you seen my guy Job down there? He's a good guy. He loves me. He hates evil. He's a good guy. Satan says, oh, well, God, you know he's only good to you because you're good to him. If you weren't so good to him, he wouldn't be good to you. Let me, let me do some things. Let's shake him up a little bit and see really why he does what he does. And we know all that happens and takes place. 
the end of chapter 1, it says in all that that Job didn't, he didn't charge God foolishly, but he worshipped him still. When we think on these things, we see Satan, we see how he works. And the Bible said when God asked Satan, what's he doing? He said, I'm walking to and fro in the earth. That was his words. Satan can't be everywhere at once like God can. He's not omnipresent. But as we look here, look at what the Bible says. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about. Do you know he is still today doing what he's always done? He is just walking about looking for whom he can devour. Christian, when you bear your own burdens, when you carry the struggles of life, when you go through life with pride and you're going to handle life on your own, Satan is looking. That's one I can get right there. We, I've heard many, much preaching done on this passage. Very rarely have I heard the preaching done in context with what this passage says. Because this is, you need to take the Bible in context. This is all fitting together. There are many Christians that were going to be going through trials, and as they go through these trials, how do you respond to it? You humble yourself before God. You trust God. You give God all your cares because he cares about you because you need to be alert to the fact that Satan is out there. And if your burdens can cloud your thinking, you know, look at what it says there. Be sober, be vigilant. Let's dive into our notes this morning. I'm jumping ahead of myself. Let's jump in and then we'll get where we Technically, in your notes, it should say number five and number six today, since, but point number one, you need to strengthen your walk with God. Now, I will, this will make sense here in a minute, especially when you look at verse number nine there. It says, whom resists steadfast in the faith. Now, if you look at that phrase there, the word faith that's found in verse number nine, there's several different faiths that are used in the scriptures and that word. But when we look at verse number nine there, that faith, you notice it doesn't say my faith, my faith. It says the faith. And when you look that word up and you look at the main, it means your reliance upon God, that saving faith. You need to stand fast in your reliance upon God to resist the devil. That's what the Bible's telling us right there. But as we look at this and we think about this, why do we need to stand fast? Why do we need to rely upon him? Why do we need to strengthen our walk with him? Well, letter A, we've got to be sober and realize that there's a devil out there. I know that sometimes we look at things in the Bible, and I don't know if I believe that that's right, or I don't know, you know, I don't know if I believe in hell, but I believe in heaven. Do you know God talked more about hell in the Bible than he did heaven? The Bible talks about the fact that there is a devil. He is real. He's not the little guy with a pitchfork and the little pointy ears and the cute little red outfit. Like people paint him out to be. The Bible says, be sober. Hey, have your mind clear. Be focused. And sometimes we let the burdens of life, the cares of life, cloud us from being alert to what's going on around us. I've done several ride-alongs with our police department because I'm a chaplain for the PD. And I, do, I don't go on ride-alongs. It's fine. Sometimes I'll go on a ride-along and they'll be like, oh, sorry you didn't get any action tonight. I don't need action, okay? <laughs> I am fine with no action. My whole goal is to go with them and get to know them because I'm kind of like a pastor to the police. That's my goal. I'm not, if they want to get into, they can get into action all they want on their own. I don't, I'm fine with no action. You know, they're apologizing to me. I'm like, it's okay, no problem. We're good. Like, you should come at this time. There's way more action. No, I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm just here to get to know you. But a while back, it was 
th- it was two o'clock in the morning on a Friday night, and there was a phone call into the PD that someone had hit a pole uh, over on Grand Avenue. And so at th- so we go over there, and there's no car there. But if you the center divider had one of those, it was just a little sign. It wasn't even a pole; it was a sign. You know, it's got the square the square pole and the sign on the top. Well, you go and you look, and right where the McDonald's and stuff there is, the sign was bent completely over. And you can see where something hit it. Well, there was a car that was pulled into a uh, parking lot just a little bit down from there. And so we go over there, and wouldn't you know, there are two people, the passenger and then the person in the back seat, they're passed out, gone. And there's throw-up everywhere in the car. And you could smell it a mile away. I'm like... You got this. I'll stand back over here. And uh, it's, it's, it's amazing to me that when they do the, all those beer commercials, they show all the happy times they say people have, but they don't ever show you that part of it. Well, the driver was like, there's no sign anywhere. But if you go look in the front of the car, there's a dent that big. Just a little one right in the middle. No other dents on the car, just that big. And the sign is that big. I just didn't see it then. But I didn't hit anybody. That's why people, when they are on things, should not be driving. Because they cannot function correctly. That person didn't even know they hit the sign. And they were about seven times over the legal limit. But they just had one little drink. That's all it was, one little drink. Yeah, when they're like, <laughs> and then they're like, okay, you got you to you walk the straight, can you walk a straight line and do this? And they're like, oh, my sciatica's acting up. <laughs> every, uh, it's happened like three times, and the sciatica acts up every time. But they're like 20 years old. So anyways, <laughs> but when we look at that, you're, no one should be driving that way. You should not be, and, it's, and in all reality, as a Christian, we talk about drunkenness and things, you shouldn't allow yourself to get to that point. But the Bible, why? you got to be sober. you got to be alert. And sometimes we get so weighed down in life by all the cares and all the pressures in life, we are not alert. So we're focusing on what's going on in our life at the moment. And I get it because there's a lot going on. But then we wonder why we get blindsided by the devil with something because we're not alert to it because we haven't given all of our cares to God and humbled ourselves before him to let him help us. The reality is there's a devil out there. The Bible says that he's our adversary. He's our enemy today. He hates the things of God. He hates the people of God. You have an enemy after you today. The Bible calls him the devil here. He's the slanderer, the accuser of the brother. And what did he do with Job? Oh, God, he's not as good as you think. He's only doing those things because you're good to him. He was slandering Job, wasn't he? His tactics have never changed. They're still the same today. And he's sure that God looks sometimes and Satan says, hey, hey, have you seen that guy Brian down there? He's not as good as you think. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not. But he sees Christ's righteousness, and thank God for that. But we need to wake up to the fact and be alert to the fact that the devil is out there, and he wants to get you. But letter B, we see we also need to be vigilant to the devil's attacks. 
be vigilant to the devil's attacks. As we look at this, the Bible compares the devil to a roaring lion in this verse. Why a lion? Look at what it says there. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. At our house, where we live now, one of the agreements we had when we moved in there was that there were stray cats outside. And if you want the price where it's at, you've got to feed the stray cats. So, feed the stray cats. And they used to say they'd provide the food. How come I'm providing the food now? We need to figure that one out. But anyways, I just thought about that right now. But, you know, there's this one cat that literally just kept having kittens. And this cat had, and so, and then it ends up, I now have two cats in my house. <laughs> and the kittens have all been, yeah, like I, we moved twice and I used to have my dog and now I have two cats. And this cat, Coda, just, I'll sit on the chair and he just comes and sits in my lap like I like him or something. <laughs> but there's a problem. This mother cat just won't quit going through the neighborhood doing things she shouldn't be doing. And so Caroline set out for a while that she was going to trap this cat and we're going to help control the pet population, as Bob Barker used to say on The Price is Right. And so we, um, so finally, it took a long time, she finally caught the cat. So I'm like, I'll be Mr., I'll be the heroic man and go take care of it. I go up to the cage and this cat, this cat's like this big, okay? It's not a huge cat. And I go to pick up the cat, and I saw the teeth, and I'm like, whoa! Put a cover over it? I put gloves on, and I'm like, carrying like this, and I can hear it, and I'm like, and I'm scared to death of a little cat! Take it down to the place that we need to go, and... I didn't want to bring it inside because I thought this cat's going to, what if it gets out or something? It's going to terrorize the whole, everybody. So I left it outside covered and Andrew's there in the car and things. And I go in, they're like, you need to bring that cat inside. It's cold outside. I'm like, it lives outside. <laughs> what are you thinking? But that was their thought. So they made me bring the cat in and you know, I'm, <laughs> Lord help me. Brought her in. And then they're like, you have to name the cat. <laughs> the cat needs a name. I'm like, no, what does this? Anyway, no, I need to be nice. So I gave the cat a great name. And so anyways, called her, well, on their label, it's called, her name's Mary Pattison. I was thinking of Mary Magdalene before Jesus. <laughs> anyways, so anyways, and so that cat scared me to death, Okay. Even taking it back, I mean, it was, it was high on whatever drugs they had given the cat, but even still touching the cage, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. If you just would have done right, this wouldn't have happened. I don't, I don't know if it's called fornication for cats, but anyways, it was like, so finally the next day, I'm like, I got to let this cat out. And so I'm just sneaking. I got gloves on. I'm like, I'm like you should have seen. I, we have this little area, and I'm like hiding behind this little corner, and I'm like, and I, I didn't open. And then they, the wonderful people at that place put little um, zip ties on it. So I had to get my hand right down next to it. I got it off. Finally, I'm like, oh. 
Lord, just help me. And I lift it up. She goes running that way, and I go running that way. <laughs> that was a cat. One more animal example. The McKees, they have a little dog that's like this big. Seamus is its name. And that, that, that dog, I really think, if the devil could enter into an animal, you know, like he did the serpent, this dog, literally one day, he doesn't like me for some reason. And how do you not like me? I'm like the nicest guy in the world. And this dog doesn't like me. And so one day, Skylar just got in the letter and he bit me on the leg, drew blood. I said, if that ever happens again, it's going to be like this. But it, no, it wouldn't be like, I don't do things like that, never. But the other day, Skylar needed, she asked me if I could help her with something. I said, did you put the dog away? Because I'm scared of that little dog. It hurt my foot. I've got a scar probably on my leg from that little dog. That dog scares me. That cat, even, I just, that cat, I know. Just the other day I saw the cat, and I'm like looking at her, and I'm like, she's still mad at me. I can just tell. It's like she knows that I'm the guy that, yeah. And so I'm scared she's going to attack me one of these days. That's a little cat and a little dog. The Bible says that Satan, the devil, is as a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. We need to be vigilant about the attacks of the devil, and the Bible compares them to a lion. Let me give you a few thoughts about lions. Number one, lions are powerful. Did you know this morning that, the, think about this, lions are 14 to 21 times stronger than a man. 14 to 21 times. I was scared of a little cat. I'm still scared of that little cat. I'm scared of that little dog. That's not a lion. A lion is 14 to 21 times stronger than a man. And let me just say this, Satan is far stronger than you and I today. And I know sometimes our kids sing those old songs, Down by the River, I Took a Little Walk, I Met Up with the Devil, We Had a Little Talk, I Pushed Him in the River, I Hung Him on the Line, We Can Beat the Devil Any Old Time! Or there's another one. If I had a little black box to throw the devil in, I'd take him out and, and throw him back again. I hate those songs. So why do you hate those songs? Because it gives kids the idea that they can just beat Satan on their own any day they want. Satan's not a cute little kitten. He's a lion. If the archangel Michael needed help, you and I need help. Lions are powerful. Number two, lions are ferocious. Did you know that a lion can consume 30% of their own body weight at one sitting? 30%. And I don't, does anybody know what a lion weighs? I don't know why you would know that. Anybody have, let's just say a lion weighed five, let's say they weighed, let's just say they weighed a thousand pounds. Who knows? That it's not 1,000 pounds. I'm just using that to, let's go, let's go half of that. Let's go 500. Let's say 500, somewhere in there. I'll have to look this up later on. But if 500 pounds, then they could literally eat at one sitting. You're looking at about 150 pounds. Anybody weigh 150 pounds in here, around about? Right there, Dave weighs about 150 pounds. The lion was 500, and I think they're heavier than that. I'm glad to see some people use their phone during church instead of paying attention. 
Now, hopefully you got the Bible open on your phone right now, too. Or you put your game away and make sure you got the Bible open there, too. Thank you for that. 400, that's good. Now, is that an older lion? Is that a female, a male? On average, on average. So it could be over 500 or it could be... Thank you for that. I appreciate that. If you don't know the answer to something, just ask Suri or Alexa or any of those things. Yep. I know that's what you did. Instead, pay attention. Have your Bible open now. Pay attention to the Bible. Can you imagine eating all that in one sitting? They're called the kings of the jungle. Lions also, number three, lions create fear. Or can be heard five miles away. Five miles away. Now, you remember Simba when he was small. His wasn't very loud, but it got louder over time. If you don't know what I'm talking about, don't worry about that. I'm just teasing there. But, and a lot of times lions roar at night to scare all the other animals and everything out there. Because fear messes with you. Have you noticed in the Christian life, especially since COVID and all that, how fear paralyzes faith? And you can't have fear and faith. I'm not talking about being cautious. That's different. There's a different, but when you are fearful, there is no faith. But when there's faith, there should be no fear. You can't have both at the same time. And, the, and this is the problem. We hear the devil's roars and we get paralyzed instead of listening to what God says in his word. And so as we start out the message today, we see the fact that your adversary is real. And he walks around like a lion. And if I get scared of a little kitten or a little cat, a, I get scared of the lions even at the zoo. Like that, that little area doesn't look big enough. You know, I'm, I just don't want him jumping over that and coming anywhere they're strong. I, I, I like when I go to the zoo, I know the kids are like, oh, the lion's sleeping. I'm like, good, let him stay asleep. I'm fine with him sleeping. I don't want to see the lion any closer than that. I'm fine with that. But we need to be sober. We need to be vigilant. And then let her see, we need to resist the devil. Now, as we talk about this here, the good news is about the devil is we understand he's like a lion. He's strong. He's ferocious. He tries to bring fear. But do you know that the devil can be defeated by the child of God? It says resist the devil. Look what it says here. It says whom resists steadfast in the faith. Now as we look at this, you've got to understand something. The secret to overcoming him and his roar and turning his roar into a meow is resisting him. But how do you resist him? The word resist means to stand up against or to withstand. It's used in other places in the New Testament there. We are told to stand, we can stand up. How do we stand up against the devil? Well, you see it right there. The Bible tells us whom, it says, resist steadfast in the faith. We talked about this a few minutes ago. The faith there is not your faith. It's not my faith. It's our faith. It's the faith that saved you. The reliance upon God that you have in your life. You see, how do you get saved? You quit relying on yourself and your good works, and you rely on Jesus and his blood and his righteousness, right? So that saving faith, the faith that saved you, your reliance upon Christ, you have to resist the devil and stand strong in your reliance on him. You cannot do it on your own. 
You cannot stand against the devil on your own. He's too powerful. He's too strong. You cannot do it yourself. You need him. The Bible tells us in James 4, verse 7, it says, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Do you see how this, this is saying the same exact same thing that Peter's telling us? You have to humble yourself before God, right? Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil. Do you see how God plays a key part in you being able to resist the devil? You cannot do it on your own. We re- and what does the Bible tell us in 1 John 5, verse number 4? For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. You see how faith is the victory that overcomes the world. And so as we write a manual, who said stand fast in the resist that faith? important and realizing that and we got to get to a place realize the fact of first john 4 4 greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world and yeah the lion might be loud the lion might be have a lot of tricks he might be powerful but nothing can stand against the power of god today and as he does what he does and as you realize that he's there and you have your eyes open to those things we need to stand fast we need to withstand him with the lord's help there's another place in the Bible that talks about withstanding and having done all to stand. Talking about putting on the armor of God. You need your armor to stand. We see number one today that we need to strengthen our walk with God and stand fast in Him and His Word. And lastly, number two, which would be number six, you need to see God work. You need to see God work. We go back, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Look at verse 10. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, Settle you to him, be glory, dominion, forever and ever. Amen. Hey, one of the greatest parts of life that we don't even realize at times, we might be going through it for a while, but God is working in the midst of all of it. One of my favorite books in the Bible is the book of Esther. The book of Esther not one times mentions the name of God. But I have never read a book in the Bible that has God's presence and his working more evident behind the scenes than the book of Esther. It didn't happen by chance that things landed the way they did or that the king just read a book one night and saw what Mordecai did. It just didn't magically happen that way. It was God working behind the scenes. And as we see God work, the first thing we got to realize is you're going to see God work, first of all, letter A, in the midst of the suffering. It says that we will suffer for a while. Isn't that what it says? It's what the Bible says. And you might say, well, I don't see God in this. And let's be honest, you might not see him in any of it until you're with him. And you, oh, that makes sense. But I don't think you're going to be worried about it then. But we do know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. You see, as we go through the difficult of this journey. We have all these burdens, worries, and cares. 
Remember that God's grace is sufficient to get you through. God's grace was sufficient for Paul. His grace is sufficient for you today. You notice he didn't say that he would lift every burden away, flatten every hill, smooth out every rough spot. No, he gives you grace for every trial. And verse 10 makes it clear that after you've suffered a while, isn't that what life is all about? The Bible tells us in um, John 16, 33, These things have I spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. In the world, you're going to have trials. But be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. What did Job say in Job 14, 1? Man is born of a woman. Man that is born of a woman is of a few days and full of trouble. I remember a few years ago in life, I felt like I had my whole life before me. And some of you in this room are like, you do. I know, compared to you, but that's not what we're talking about. And we don't know. A day could change all those things. But I'm looking at, in the next few years, if the Lord blesses me with 80, I will be halfway there. And it seems like the time, and then you start, then you start measuring back in time. Like when I was a teenager or when I met Caroline, I'm like, that's this amount of time and in this amount of time I'm going to be their age. Life goes by quick. And I hear the older you get, the more you say that. Life goes by quick. And there are a lot of great, t- and 90, 90, 99, 97, only a few more years tonight to 100. So as 90, 90, do you realize how long 97 years is? That's a long time. Does it seem like a very long time? Does it fly by? It flies by. And life isn't everyday trouble, but there are troubles and trials all along the way. That's what life is. But we can see God work in the midst. What's he going to do and what's he doing? What's he perfecting us? He's perfecting us. He's establishing us. He's settling us. And you say, well, when does all that become accomplished? When we see God work, let her be, and we're just about done here, in the glory that awaits us. Do you know one day there will be no more sorrow, no more pain, no more parting over there. The Lord tells us here that he's going to make us perfect, establish us, strengthen us, and settle us. Say, when is that going to happen? When we're with him. The Bible tells us in Revelation 21, 27, And there shall in no wise enter anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. Verse 4 of that same chapter says, And God shall wipe all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor neither sorrow nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. The Bible tells us in Romans 8.18, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. And then 2 Corinthians 4.17, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. 
after all that we've learned in 1 Peter, how do I respond to that? You need to humble yourself before God. And you need to trust God in His timing. You need to give God all of your burdens, all your cares, because He loves you and He cares about you. Because when you don't, the devil sees those things. And he sees that you're a prime subject to come after. And he doesn't, he doesn't, Satan doesn't love you today. He doesn't love you. God does, and God wants the best for you. And sometimes we look at God and God, God, you're be, God, why do we always give God the benefit of the doubt on things? We should give him the benefit of the doubt, but we don't. We doubt and we don't give him the benefit. He should always get the benefit of the doubt. And so as we go through these things, we have to have our minds cleared so we see Satan. Don't give Satan a place to work in your life. Think about it in the book of Ephesians. It says, don't give place to the devil. And that talks about, that was talking about bitterness and those things in your life. And sometimes when you allow the things of life, the cares to come, to pile up, and you don't deal with them, then the bitterness and those things do come in. And you're giving the devil a place to work. And the devil sees it. Don't do that. Humble yourself. Give God all your cares. And then as you go through, keep your eyes open because Satan's out there and he wants to destroy you. But as you're going through the hard times, remember the fact that Satan sees it. He's right there with you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He will get you through and he cares about you. And then someday it will all be over with. And as that's as it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. One glimpse of his dear face, all sorrow will erase, so bravely run the race till we see Christ. Father, we